0: Welcome to the Battle of Boggle. May I congratulate you on an excellent choice? But where are my manners? Introductions. I am the narrator. Some call me the voice of Boggle, but narrator will do me just fine. And pray, tell what's your name? Ha <laughs> ha! Wonderful, excellent. Welcome aboard. I've got clear instructions. Just read the story, they told me. No silly jokes, no fascinating pearls of wisdom. Just read the words. Well, I will try my best, dear readers. So let us begin. Chapter 1. A Brief History of Bogglers Great Boggle is a picturesque village in the ancient heart of England's green and pleasant land with a forgetful forest to the north can't remember how it got its name, and rolling countryside and sweet-smelling emerald green pasture full of sheep, cows and llamas in pyjamas to the east. And a dozen rhino. I can't believe I almost forgot to mention the rhino. Nothing unusual about that, I think you'll agree. The rhino mostly keep themselves to themselves and are quite harmless as long as you keep your distance a long distance and you should preferably stand by something solid like a car or a tree or better still a brick wall basically as long as they can't see you or hear you or smell your stinky socks and i bet they are stinky you should probably be fine i think great boggle has farmers leaning on gates chewing straw a jolly roly-poly postman a magnificent tea shop selling the jammiest donuts you Ever did taste, and a pub full of merry locals laughing and singing and playing Monopoly. It's a home to a variety of people and wildlife alike. But once upon a time, hundreds of years ago, it was just playing Boggle, and nothing sort of place on the banks of the Swanee River with a bubbling bog full of spotty frogs. There is definitely nothing great about Boggle. Now. People who know a bit about history and other clever stuff, like how fireworks are made and the 13 times table, reckon that roughly about 997 years ago, in the year 1021 at 8.03am on a Tuesday morning, or thereabouts, there was a big old whopper of an earthquake. Yes, an earthquake, I tell you. Now, anyone who knows anything about anything knows that England doesn't have big earthquakes. Just the odd plate rattler, and even then it is difficult to work out whether it is an earthquake or you just got out of your chair a bit quickly and accidentally farted. Well, this was no plate rattler. This was a whopper chopper, a howitzer, a great ground ripper. As if the earth itself was a supersized Godzilla with a tummy ache and a windy bottom. If you were giving the earthquake marks out of ten, it would get 9.654. It was a humdinger. All it was missing was an exploding volcano to make it a bit more colourful. Who doesn't like lava? Who doesn't like lava? The people of Pompeii, that's who. Pompeii's in Italy and was covered in lava in 79 AD when the volcano Mount Vesuvius erupted, destroying the city. Oh, sorry. That's me doing annoying facts again. They told me not to do that. Shh, don't tell anyone, otherwise I'll lose my job. Got it. OK, thanks. But before we continue, I've got another one. A double factoid, if you will. Earthquakes are measured on the Richter scale with the highest ever recorded in Chile measuring a whopping 9.5 out of 10. Wowzers. But apologies, I digress. Back to the story. The ground of Boggle was so uncomfortable it moved and it groaned and it stretched until it ripped in two like it was a piece of cheap sliced bread being torn apart by the grubby hands of a dastardly bread murderer. Quite literally, Boggle was split in half, with the ground shifting in different directions. The east half of the village rose up ten feet, while the west half sinking by twenty feet, three ankles and a couple of toes. Separating the two villages was now a dark and ominous split in the earth, which had eventually become known as... Dun, dun, dun! The Devil's Ditch! Well, as you can imagine, this caused an almighty kerfuffle. The sheep were on one side of the ditch, the shepherds on the other. Viking Mike was separated from his bike... Drunk, Doris lost her drink, soon became sober Doris. Martha was separated from her husband, Arthur. Mary became quite contrary. Roman the Roman lost his home and Norman the Norman was so scared he decided to go home to France and come back again in 45 years. Did you know the nasty Normans from Normandy, that's in France, invaded Britain in 1066, led by William the Conqueror. What with a name like that, he was bound to win. Defeating the English King Harold at the Battle of Hastings. Sorry, readers, I've done it again. Back to the story. The crack in the earth that became the devil's ditch began at the base of the flat-topped ye oldie fire hill that rose above the eastern side of Boggle and would have been awesome for sledging down at winter. At the base of that crack, a drop of water rose out from the ground, like a mole poking out from a hole and sniffing the air, hoping to smell a cinnamon whirl or perhaps a chicken curry. Moles do love a curry. But then another drop, and another... And the drops turned into a trickle which turned into a spring which gave rise to a stream and the stream did steam because the water was hot. And why was it hot? I know not. But the stream liked the rhyme at the time and the rhyme was to stay a feature of creatures and people and things because of this peculiar spring. Throughout Boggle there would now be plenty to ogle. Well, the years passed by and one village came to separated by the watery ditch but came home to a multitude of fish but mostly goldfish and ones that looked like What's his name from Finding Nemo? Oh, and Piranha. I almost forgot to mention the Piranha. Well, after 300 years of both villages calling themselves Boggle, didn't half confuse the postman, Sir Bertie the Beautiful, Lord of the Manor in the Upper East Village, stood on a tree stump on a cold spring morning and declared that... From this day forth, I christen our village great Boggle, for great it is and far better than those swamp dwellers across the ditch with all their sheep and bubbling bog with too many spotty frogs. We have the best houses and a magnificent church atop a splendid flat-top hill. He looked down across the valley and proclaimed, The other lot over there, who aren't nearly half as good and clever and handsome as us lots, and whose farts are stinkier, will be called lesser Boggle, for lesser it is and lesser it always will be and then he let out a sinister cackle "Mwah ha 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 ha. Muah, ha 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 It was like he was some sort of evil baddie planning to do something dastly to Spider Man and the teenage mutant ninja turtles. CHAPTER two Lesser Boggle Bites Back Well, before you could say Alphabetti Spaghetti ten times try it old Bertie's mutterings rolled down the hill, jumped over the ditch, dodged a couple of sleeping hedgehogs and soon spread out around the west village, slapping the humble village folk across the chops with their spiteful sayings. At first there was Hullabaloo. Outrageous, they cried. How dare him! So rude! What shall we do? What shall we do? They exclaimed, looking towards clever Trevor. But Trevor was the wise man of the lower village. Trevor, it is rumoured, invented the toaster. If only someone had figured out a way to slice bread and had somewhere to plug it in. "'He was ahead of his time, and by olden-day standards, "'Trevor was a wise man indeed.' "'Hmm,' said Trevor, scratching his chin thoughtfully. "'There was a pause, a collective intake of breath from the assembled mass, "'and then Trevor uttered the, as of then, unheard-of words. "'Sticks and stones may break our bones, but names will never hurt us.' <gasps> "'Oh, Trevor!' said Terry, the teacher. "'You are so very wise. That is such good advice.' we will be sure to use that in class when a school finally gets built. And, Trevor said, our silence descended across the crowd. Less is more, Trevor bellowed, raising his voice. Less is more. We will accept the name Lesser Boggle with pride. It will be our shiny badge of honour and we will prove that Lesser is, in fact, better. Ooh, said Potty Mouth Paul. Those old poo munchers across the ditch won't expect that. Watch your language, Paul. But, said Trevor, but, he added again for dramatic effect and to make sure everyone was paying attention, we still shouldn't take this lying down. So Trevor stood up, and so did everyone else. That's better, he said, brushing the wet grass and a baby slug off his damp behind. I'm heading to the ditch to give Bertie the butt face a piece of my mind. Come on, everyone! "'Bring your things and let's go wag some fingers, "'pull some faces and call them some smelly names "'like Donkey Doodoo Head and Farty Frog Face.' "'Off Trevor marched with half a dozen village folk "'following closely behind. "'Down Badger's Bottom they went. "'Past Haunted Hollow, along Rabbit Warren Way, "'across the creaky, squeaky, eeky bridge "'where they stopped for a quick game of poo sticks "'on the Swanee River. "'Why it was called Poo Sticks no-one knew, "'but they did love a game. "'There wasn't much else to do in those days.' Trevor came last, which just made him angrier. Up through Mary's meadow they went, checking the way was clear of Rhino, and on to the Devil's Ditch. There, Trevor stood at the edge of the stream, the stream which gleamed, because it still liked to rhyme at least some of the time. In the early morning sunlight, Trevor looked up the grassy slope towards the vindictive village above, as the shadow of a cloud moved across the luscious turf, and boomed, Oi, Bertie, you stinky, rotten wee-wee head! Come down here, we've got a bone to pick with you. Trevor's words hit their mark as within seconds Bertie came bounding down the hill with fire in his eyes and his green and black cloak trailing in the breeze with his wife Dirty Gertie, who only washed on the first day of each month and at least a dozen other greater bogglers in his wake. And they didn't come empty-handed. Before Trevor, or anyone else for that matter, could utter another word, a large cauliflower came hurtling through the air. Trevor saw it late, but with a nimble swerve of his body he dodged the green and white missile, stuck out his hand and caught it as it was almost past him. How's that? he shouted, looking around for some sort of acknowledgement and a round of applause, but no one knew what he was talking about and neither did he. That's a cricket term, how's that? The sport of cricket has a known history beginning in the late 16th century. International matches have been played since 1844. Players shout how's that to ask the umpire to give a player out. Apologies, I've digressed once again. Back to the story. Without even thinking, Trevor launched the collie cannonball back across the ditch and it hit poor Mark the Miller square in the face. That, I believe, said Trevor, is one nil to us, the lesser bogglers. While well, Trevor's words were like red rag to a bull, Mark the Miller quickly recovered and instinctively picked up the two nearest objects to him. Two dark round cannonball shaped missiles which were giving off a little steam and a nutty aroma while the ripe rhino turds were travelling fast and true, hitting the fabulous Baker sisters Beryl and Cheryl right on the bottom. you got to move faster than that, slow coaches. 2-1 to the greatest, Mark sneered. After that, things escalated quickly, with all sorts being chucked. The villagers on either side, blocking and chucking and dodging and dipping and ducking and diving. The lesser bogglers threw turnips and parsnips and tulips, which weren't that effective, whilst the greater bogglers chucked new potatoes, sweet potatoes, roast potatoes, jack-o'-potatoes, rotten potatoes, mashed potato, Mr Potato Head, salt and vinegar french fries, again not very effective, and a chicken. In all the excitement, the chicken laid an egg mid-flight. Dave the gravedigger caught the chicken in his right hand and the egg in his left, while the egg was soon travelling back in the opposite direction. How do you like them? Scrambled or boiled? screamed Dave with a mad glint in his eye as the egg flew through the air and splattered on the back of another victim. The great bogglers retaliated with fish heads and cockroaches, the lesser bogglers with pig livers and a great white shark, but the fight ended following the intervention of the lesser bogglers' potty mouth Paul. Paul moved with unexpected speed and grace as he ducked, dived and dodged his way across the meadow, plucking disc-like objects off the ground and sending them spinning through the air, hitting Bertie and Dirty Gertie fill in the face. There was a stunned silence, a pause, and a look of horror across the assembled mat when they realised that the black and green sludge dripping from the faces of Great Boggle's most revered residents was, in fact, wet, stinky cowpats. "'Hard and chewy on the outside, moist in the middle. "'Just how I like them, said Paul. "'Oh, Paul,' said Trevor, shaking his head. "'You always take it one step too far. "'Gertie only washed yesterday.' "'Looking disappointed, Trevor gave another shake of the head "'and walked back to the village. "'The first battle of Boggle was over.' "'Chapter 3. Lesser Boggle, present day.' "'Dodgeball! They basically invented dodgeball, miss! "'That is so flipping cool!' Yes, Alex, it is, said Miss Lush, the year three teacher at lesser Boggles St Cuthbert's primary school. Although, as the saying goes, we need to take the story with a teeny weeny pinch of cabbage, as some of it does seem rather improbable. Cabbage? Is it a pinch of salt, miss? Chirped Jazz Gupta from the back of the class. Miss Lush was a young, fresh-faced and enthusiastic teacher, popular with the children and not yet ravaged and disillusioned by the trials and tribulations of time and dealing with little brats. She was always getting her sayings mixed up, like the time she said it was raining cats and frogs, or when she said she was so hungry she could eat a hamster. For example, said Miss Lush, ignoring the little know potatoes had not been introduced to Great Britain at that point in history, so we have to take it with a pinch of salty cabbage, as I said. Or oh, they had a time machine, Miss, said Alex. Don't be a fool, Alex, or I'll drop you down the behaviour ladder to think about it. But I was thinking about it, Miss, that's why I said it, Alex grinned. Alex Abington, snapped Miss Lush. One more word out of your cheeky chops and you'll go on to make better choices. That was the lowest rung of the ladder and nowhere any right-minded child would want to be as it meant a visit to the headmistress, Miss Oxball, who was super scary and a talk with mum and dad. And then you'll take a trip to the mischief corner in the rascal room where you can spend some quality time in the naughty step. Is that what you want? Alex shook his head. Alex Abington was a.k.a. also known as Al Abs. Double A, Allie Pops, Triple A, because his middle name is Arnie, or A-Bomb to his friends, or Alexa or Pooh Face to his little brother, Joe. To your eye, Alex seemed like a perfectly ordinary child. He was a good-looking lad, with short mouse-brown hair and a smile that was like the sun appearing from the clouds and the birds tweeting on a warm summer's day. He radiated friendliness and everyone liked him. He was a completely normal boy with no superhero powers whatsoever, no matter how much Weetabix and broccoli he ate not together that would be gross he had charm and personality and personality goes a long way but can only get you so far because alex was also a rapscallion and a cheekster in one word he was naughty when he was a baby his parents would call him spirited which is mummy and daddy code for saying he was a big stinky pain in the bottom as a toddler he thought it was funny to bury his dad's work shoes in the sandpit and draw silly faces on his mummy's handbags but Alex did not think he was ordinary. He thought he was destined for great things and he wasn't going to let a bit of trouble get in his way. The problem was that the only thing he'd been great at so far in his eight years, one month and three days on planet Earth was getting into trouble. And Connect Four. He was very good at Connect Four. Well, Alex, said Miss Lush, I do have a surprise for you as it happens, although I'm not quite sure you deserve it. As you all know, one week today is... Friday, Miss, interrupted Jazz Gupta. Well, yes... But it's also the annual Dodge Battle of St. Bertie's, Miss Lush turns towards Alex, and you've been selected to captain the school team. St. Bertie's was the great Boggle primary School, and St. Cuthbert's arch rivals. The annual Dodge Battle was a reenactment of the original Battle of Boggle hundreds of years ago. St. Bertie's had won most of the fights down the years, taking advantage of the slope and the high ground occupied by the great boggle side of the ditch. They called themselves the Green Machine, because they played in all green. Although well, Alex thought it was more of an aqua blue. OMG, said Alex. That is flippin' awesome. Are you serious, miss? I thought year three's a never captain. Yes, well, we haven't won for 32 years, so we thought we should mix it up a bit and try something different. We haven't exactly got much more to lose, but Alex, any bad behaviour and you're off the team. Got it? And that means doing your homework, Miss Lush warned. Roger that, said Alex. Don't call me Roger said Miss Lush, even though it's actually her middle name. You need to pick your team and the theme will be announced on Tuesday. Choose wisely, and Alex, said Miss Lush, let's give those great bogglers a run for their money this year. Double roger that, miss. And as a school bell sounded for the end of the day and the other kids rushed for the door, chattering about the impending battle and knowing the captain, Alex paused for a moment. I cannot wait to tell Dad about this, he thought, and off he ran to generally do all he humanly could to annoy his little brother Joe on the way home. ''Don't forget your homework! us to your pen pals by Monday morning!'' Miss Lush shouted as the kids rushed past. ''Alex!'' she said, ''is it at the classroom door?'' ''Do you know why I nominated you for captain?'' ''Because I'm the best cricketer at school, miss?'' Alex said confidently. And it was true. Alex could throw and catch better than anyone else at school, even the year six kids were impressed. ''Not just that, Alex, but because if anyone can find a way to beat the green machine, it's you.'' ''Permission to break the rules, miss?'' Alex smiled. ''Permission denied!'' But don't be afraid to bend them a little miss lush gave alex a wink and with that alex skipped off like a happy bunny who had just been given life membership to Carrotland. and that dear listeners is the end of chapter three but before we moved on to chapter four i have a potato based fact bomb for you i could have said this earlier but i didn't want to interrupt the story at a crucial moment do you know what miss lush actually knows what she's talking about The potato originated in South America and it is believed that it was introduced into England by Sir Walter Raleigh around 1589. And on that bombshell, I'll leave you for now, but I do hope you'll return for chapter four. I don't know about you listeners, but I certainly want to find out about what Dodge Battle is. It sounds jolly exciting. So until next time, I bid you farewell.